0: House of the Lord on this beautiful Palm Sunday, nice chilly weather we had a couple of days ago, (laughs) not so much yesterday, but uh, it is springtime in Texas, so I think we had almost a 60 degree swing yesterday in temperature, so uh, it is great to be in the house of the Lord. Let's stand together, begin our time of worship together this morning, down at the cross where my Savior died.
1: I'm at the cross where my son-
2: Church family, it's great to see you on this Palm Sunday. Bow with me this morning as we begin worship in prayer. Almighty God, we love you. We express our commitment to you today. Lord, we pause on this day to begin the process of remembering, Lord, every single thing that happened on this holy week. Lord, we remember on this day, on Palm Sunday, as we've come to call it, that you entered into Jerusalem, and they laid down the palm branches. Jesus, we're so thankful that you took that road and that path, that you didn't turn away, and Lord, we know where that road leads. So Jesus, today we lift you high. Again and again, we revere you, we worship you, we adore you. Jesus, we, we give ourselves again to you today, recognizing that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are our Savior, you're our Redeemer. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end, and we give ourselves to you afresh today. God, as we gather here, we pray that the words of our mouth, that the the attitudes of our heart, that they would all be pleasing to you, that you would receive this worship, Lord, in recognition of your lordship, Lord, over all creation and all history in our lives. Lord, be be beloved and worshiped in all that we do today. We pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Be seated, church family. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. What a great group on this Palm Sunday. It is an exciting day for us. In just a few moments, we're going to have some special occurrences with our children, and I'm very much looking forward to that. If you're our guest today, welcome to worship. We are thrilled that you are here. Um, it is an exciting day, as I said, Palm Sunday. Um, the people gathered on both sides of the road as Jesus entered into Jerusalem and they said, Hosanna. And that word simply means save us now. And it was a, it was a cry for help among the people. And so we still say that today. We still say, Lord, save us now. If you are our guest today, please reach into the pew pocket or go online and give us some information about yourself. You can find the guest card there. You can also go to fbcana.org and find that guest button. You can click on that, give us information. We want to follow up with you this week. Uh, we hope that you'll also, as church members, be reaching out and inviting others to come. Next Sunday will prove to be a, a wonderful day for us. We have a big holy week. Um, Wednesday service. This Wednesday night at 6. i want to invite the entire church to be back for that. And then next Sunday we have a service at Lake Halbert. Two big services here and we want you to be a part of as many of those as you possibly can. Thank you for being with us today. Let's give God our very best.
0: We have a video. We have a video we'd like to share. And then right after our kids are going to do a poem procession this morning. So turn your attention to the screen today. Music today. Uh, the choir is about to bring a beautiful piece uh, entitled How Beautiful. Uh, then we have one more congregational song. And then uh, Joe Reed, he and Kathy uh, joined our fellowship a little over a year ago. And uh, Joe's been singing in our choir. Um, if you uh, know anything about NFL football, you may uh, uh, recognize that name, but uh, you can ask him about that if you're interested. <laughs> But he's going to sing a Dallas home for, uh, song for us uh, in a little bit uh, before Brother Danny comes. So, right now, turn your attention to the choir as they sing How Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> stand, if you would, as we continue singing at the cross.
3: Dry the nails in my hands, laugh at me where you stand. Go ahead and say it isn't me. The day will come. When you will see cause I'll rise again there's no power on earth can tie me down. Yes, I'll rise. my name my love for you is still the same go ahead and bury me but very soon I will I'll rise again. There's no power on earth can tie me down. Yes, I'll rise. Go ahead And say I'm dead and gone But you will see that you were wrong. Go ahead. Try to hide the sun. But all will see that I'm the one. Cause I'll come. Again, there's no power on earth can keep me back. Yes, I'll come again, come to take my people back. Yes, I'll come.
2: amen. Joe Reed, thank you so much. Uh, What a blessing that you are, you and your sweet wife, to our church. I hope you see the irony of this moment, folks. You have a former NFL quarterback and a former junior high quarterback taking the same stage and, and um, so I am very excited for this moment. Uh, Joe, we love you. Thank you for singing, and um, Joe has a wonderful testimony and a wonderful ministry, and we appreciate um, him sharing that with us, and we're deeply grateful that God brought y'all to, to our church and our family, so thank you for being here today. Also, I want to share on behalf of our family a huge thank you to the shower that you offered um, to um, the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be. They're not even sitting together today, Um, so I hope everything's okay. Um, But we are very thankful for the shower um, that was offered, the wedding shower yesterday. So thank you so much for loving and caring for them, and um, what a blessing that is. If you were one of the hostesses, thank you especially for all that you did. Here's how I want to begin this morning's sermon. There is something about every single one of us that desires completion. There is something about every single one of us that desires completion. It's common to all people, and and this illustration um, offers us evidence. There was this great composer that loved to sleep late in the morning, And his family discovered there was only one way to wake him from his slumber. The wife would make her way to the downstairs piano where he composed all of his pieces and she would play three chords. But she only played three without the third and final complete, without the fourth and final completing chord. And because of that incomplete chord, the composer would toss and turn upstairs. And finally, race down the stairs to play the concluding chord that resolved the sequence. Folks, there is something in all of us, right, that desires completion. Several years ago, I read about this optical illusion. That if you draw a circle and do everything except close the gap of the full circle, that your eyes will actually see a completed circle. There's something in all of us, right, that desires completion. This morning we have the privilege of beginning this incredible march into Holy Week. There are some circles that refer to this as Passion Week because it's on this week that we consider and talk about and remember and think about the Passion of the Christ. And on a week like this, those of us who follow Jesus Christ, we're going to remember many things. We're going to remember as we are today, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We're going to remember the betrayal of Judas Iscariot. We're going to remember that moment that Christ was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to remember the mockery of a trial that he endured. We're going to think about the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I am thirsty. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus gave seven statements from the cross, but today it is the concluding comment. It's the one that brought everything to a close that's going to capture our attention. It's the words that bring completion today that sees our thoughts. It's those last words that Jesus cried, it is finished. Today I invite you to take your Bibles in hand with me as we remind ourselves of this very moment in the Gospel of John chapter 19. If you would not mind, please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word today. John 19, verse 28, 29, and 30, titled, The Death of Jesus. John writes these words, he said, "'Later, knowing that all was now completed,' And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received this drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we remember this moment, as we think about what this means, God, help us to realize that this was the completion of a life, a perfect life. This was a completion of a task that Jesus was sent on from heaven. This was the completion of what it took that our sins might be forgiven. God, help us to listen well and hear your voice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The text says that Jesus cried out. Now, John doesn't specifically say that, but the other gospel writers do. Matthew says, Jesus gave a loud cry, and he breathed his last. The Gospel of Mark says, then Jesus gave a loud cry, and he died. Uh, Luke offers, then Jesus gave a loud cry. And John seems compelled, though, to not tell us the word cry, but to tell us what the cry was. The cry Jesus gave was one Greek word. It was the word to tetelestai. Turn to your friend right now beside you and say to What does it mean? Well, we know what it means. It's translated for us in the text today. It means it is finished an alternate definition, it has been achieved, it has been accomplished, it's an amazing word, it speaks of a work that's been fulfilled, a purpose that's been reached, a goal that's been grasped, and the question that I want to ask today is what can we say about this word? What can we say on this beginning of Holy Week about this phrase? What do we need to consider together? What should we say? Well, the first thing is this, we can say that all of the life of Jesus calls for this cry. All of the life of Jesus calls for this very word. Think about His birth for a moment. The whole scene seems to say, now this must be finished. There was a star in the heavens above, right? Angels acted like telegraph boys delivering message to those, messages to those on earth. Shepherds went jumping over fences to see the Lamb of God. Kings started marching with gifts to a beat that they didn't even fully understand. All of it cried, this must be finished. And the same is true of Jesus' boyhood. Luke chapter 2 verse 49, first recorded words of, of Jesus. He looked at his mesmerized parents and he said, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? It cried out to them that day, this must be finished. And the same is true of his baptism. What a moment that was in the the waters of the Jordan River. We have people sitting here today that just a number of days ago found themselves in the frigid, cold water of the Jordan River. But Jesus was there with John the Baptist, and they were were debating over who would baptize whom, and then our Lord said, permit it to be so now in order to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus understood he was fulfilling a grand scheme. He was assuming a great role. He was marshalling a grand mission. It all cried out, didn't it? This too must be finished. It's true in his temptation as he refuses to give in to Satan's ploys. It's true in the great confession of Peter when he acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ. It's true in his first sermon when he spoke from Isaiah and electrified that sleepy crowd. You remember what Christ said that day? Today, he said, is being fulfilled among you. Those people had heard many sermons. They're just like you. They had heard many prophecies spoken before them, but they had never heard it was being fulfilled right now in their presence. Friends, this had to be finished. It's also true in the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah spoke to Jesus. And finally, it is very true here on the cross. You know, it's kind of like Jesus saw hands of a clock that no one else saw. He heard the chimes ringing that nobody else heard. He saw the sand falling through an hourglass that no one else observed. Do you remember what he said to his mother back at that wedding feast in Cana? He said, woman, listen to this. My hour has not yet come. In John 7, he said the same thing when he was taunted by his brothers who didn't believe he was who he said he was. He said it again. My hour has not yet come. And now on the cross, his hour has come. Now on the cross, his time has arrived. Twelve strokes of a bell are ringing on God's clock and we hear clearly these words, it must be finished. You see, all the life of Jesus called for this cry, didn't it? But now let's take it back even further. Because we can also say this, all of sacred history called for this very expression. I hope it's on TV this week. I assume it will be. And if it is, I'm going to try to find it and watch it. It's the TV miniseries, The Bible. How many of you remember that on television? Many of us in this room watch that. Several years ago, it was the most popular show on TV, according to ratings. Nine years ago, I think, to be exact, the miniseries showed God's covenant with Abraham. And if you remember that covenant, you know that God told Abraham all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. And it moves from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. The whole Old Testament just streams by in the series just like it does on the pages of the text. But you know, the whole covenant seems to be hinged with this roaring cry, this has not been finished. I think I feel the same way about the Ten Commandments. About the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments. They, they guide us, they teach us, they convict us, they correct us. But you know, the Old Testament ends with the law never being fulfilled. And we finally understand this. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it tells us the law was established to lead us to who? Jesus Christ. You see, it wasn't the completion. Jesus was. And it's right there that we can offer this expression that we need to hold on today. And I think you're going to like this. I certainly do. Here it is. What God begins, he finishes. Somebody say amen. What God begins, he finishes. God began an incredible thing in the Old Testament covenant. He began a powerful thing in the Old Testament law, but he completed it all when Jesus uttered this echoing cry, it is finished. So what should we say about Christ's cry that day? What should we say of it even this morning? Well, I think we ought to say that everyone ought to hear the cry. Everyone ought to hear the cry. You see, I'll bet others that same day heard it, don't you? I'll bet Anna and Caiaphas, they were the representatives of the prostituted, counterfeit, bankrupt religious establishment. They they looked at Jesus and saw his last breath, and I'll bet you they said, it's finished. I'll bet the Roman politicians said it. No big deal to them, right? They had seen a crucifixion before. One more Jew, dead and gone. And they shrugged as they watched and said, "Eh, it's finished. The crowd was there and they saw it. They had gathered to see a political spectacle. That's what they were all about. One by one, they walked away. It was over. They said, it's finished. And then the disciples, they sadly said it. Because the one whom they thought would bring in the kingdom of God was gone. And they hung their heads and they said, it's finished. But none of those cries, to me, even meant close to what it meant when Jesus said it. You see, friend, when Jesus said it, resoundingly, it was heard in the depths of hell. Don't you agree? The demon shuddered, the adversary trembled. He knew he had lost when Jesus said, it is finished. He screamed, I I couldn't stop him at his birth. I couldn't stop him in the wilderness and I even couldn't stop him in his crucifixion. friends, the foundations of hell shook with the resounding quiver of defeat when Jesus said, it is finished. But heaven heard it too. And oh, how differently it was received in heaven. Can you imagine how the cry must have resounded in the rooms of heaven? Abraham heard it and he said, thank God I didn't walk around in the desert for nothing. (laughs) Moses said this, I led them out. Now Jesus is going to lead them in. David heard it, and I like to think he sat down and wrote the 151st Psalm. The the prophets heard it, and they said, praise God, his, his word did not return void. And friends, here's the powerful thing. This morning, we hear it, don't we? Do you hear it? And when we hear it, and I hear it, and you hear it, We recognize there's powerful application for us that we need to hear this cry. We should hear this cry because there's a promise in it. And the promise echoes in Scripture, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Folks, that's how God works. Think about it. That's who he is. Have you ever seen a half a mountain? No, God creates the whole thing. (laughs) He finishes it. Have you ever seen a half a sunset? No, God finishes it. Have you ever seen a half an ocean? No, God finishes it. Friends, I'm going to say it again. What God begins, God finishes. And here's where it really gets good. That promise is for us. First Baptist Church, Corsicana, Texas. Do you know what Jesus said about us? The gates of hell would not be too strong for this church. That's what Jesus said about us. And what God intends to do in this church, guess what? He's going to do it. He's going to finish it. And I pray. That that to God, that FBC Corsicana will endure until the shout of the archangel and the trumpet of God resounds. And maybe that's going to be while I'm pastor here. Maybe it's going to be while you're a church member here in this congregation. And if, if that's true, we're all going to be able to hear and then say, It is finished! Together we'll say it. But if it's a hundred years from now, And I'm no longer the pastor and you're no longer the people. Whoever they are and whoever he is, right? They'll still be able to say those words. This church will be able to say it is finished. Folks, this phrase is something. It's amazing. It's encouragement to us as individual believers. It is encouragement to churches in our our mission and our message. But more than anything, it is the shadow and the tension that fell over the earthly life of Jesus. So to close, think about this. I would imagine that there was a time in the very real home that Jesus grew up in in Nazareth. It was a humble carpenter's home. And I would imagine there was a time when the incarnate Son of God, humbly and quietly out in his daddy's workshop, picked up a piece of scrap lumber and a spare iron nail from the floor. And he, imitating his dad, hammered two pieces of wood together. Just as millions of little boys since then have done and I'll bet he brought it to his daddy and I'll bet he said see daddy it's finished but then as a 33 year old man he picked up another piece of wood didn't he and this time others drove the nails right through his hands and his feet and at the end of all that he said the exact same words this time totally different He said, it is finished.